and Ed. Hello, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And welcome to the Lack of Focus podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to another episode of Lack of Focus. I am your humble host today, one Mr. Ed Horn. And of course, I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mr. Sean Dorsey. Sean, how's it going, my friend? Good, Ed. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. And of course, our producer extraordinaire, who's also in the process of painting while we're recording, one Mr. Chris Sheriff. Chris, how's it going, my friend? Good. Thanks, Ed. So I was off, so I was scheduled to be the host for last week, and of course I was uh, off at work in Orlando doing a, a work conference thing, so the boys covered for me last week, but I'm back, and this time here inspired by, but not necessarily restricted to, um, the uh, launch of 10th edition 40k, we're going to be talking about new editions of your favorite game, what to do whenever you have a new edition, what happens if the new edition is different or changed or strange or weird ways how do you feel about it what to do in the meantime while you're waiting for that new edition to come out so but before we start there we're going to of course do what we have been doing lately in gaming and hobbying uh we're still trying to ditch the flight deck thing and i'm still kicking that out there so sean i'm gonna kick it over to you my friend what have you been doing lately um actually got some uh, board gaming in this week so Oh, good. It was actually pretty good. Played uh, Calico's, which is a new, I think it's new anyway. It's basically a game similar to Patches, um, where you're trying to create patterns and score points, which is pretty cool. Um, and then we played, I can't ever remember the stupid name of the game, but it's the little one where you're a fireman trying to put fires out. Um, I think it's just called Firefighter. No. Um, uh, firefighter something rescue something like that yeah yeah um, um it's the board game version yeah um so we played that and then is that any um, good that sounds like fun yeah yeah it was actually pretty fun we kind of got lucky it's a i don't know how to put it but it's kind of like a uh it's a pandemic uh, kind of game isn't it sean it's similar to pandemic yeah i mean it has a, a feature like pandemic where if you pull a smoke where there's already smoke in a room, then it blazes into fire. Ooh. And then if you pull it where there's already fire, then you have the explosions that happen from things that are next to it and stuff like that. So, um, I assume it's cooperative. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I that's mean, cool. yeah, if it wasn't cooperative, it'd be very hard to play. Um, let's see what else have I done? Um, I played a little little arcade stuff um, over the last couple of weeks. Just uh, kind of getting hot outside, and and so it's kind of harder to do things outside. So I uh, played. What did I play? I played some Dig Dug, and then I, I love played... that game. That's easily one of my favorites. Well, it's it's what you call it's it's a mindless, intense game. You know where. Sure. You know, it's a quarter-eater game way back in the day in the arcade, but today it's more of a, you know, since it's free-to-play, it's, you know, chase-high-score type thing. And one thing I don't do in my games, because I play it like like as I was in an arcade, is I don't continue games to keep the score going higher. I always restart, just so that I can see how well I can do on this single quarter a lot of yeah. times. Yeah... Like I said, I think I told you before. Whenever I had my kids, we actually I'd actually beaten the Ninja Turtles arcade game. Whenever I had the the three kids at Carrie's 
our local retro game store and it felt kind of dirty beating it that way when like every kid had like 40 quarters loaded up in there so if they like there was there's was almost no challenge to it it was just a beat them up and just keep swinging and swinging and swinging yeah. until things die so i kind of felt like i got i robbed myself of the experience of beating that game naturally. So I might have to go back someday and uh, re retry that to actually do it the way it was meant to be played. And I think that's a lot of the problems. Like, so there's, you know, the nostalgia side, of course, of just playing the game, which is awesome, you know, but the problem with today's day and age is you're not chasing it like you did before because as a kid, you had limited quarters. You know, you were limited to what you had in your pocket to be able to play that day. And so it's kind of a different, it's a different experience playing those types of games. Because, you know, if you pay 20 bucks to get in the place, if you're going into a, a free play place, then you can just pump it with as many, you know, credits as you want to. But that's not how you would have played it way back when. You would have played it quarter by quarter maybe done some games that had the continues, but you didn't have enough quarters to get to the end, most likely. You know, you had enough to get, you know, halfway through, let's say, you know, unless you took, you know, $20 in quarters or something with you and and did it that way. So, um, yeah, no, I always made sure whenever I played that game in the arcade, I always had at least two other people with me because that game is very geared to having a, like anticipating all four players being there. Right. So if you're trying to solo that game, it's exceedingly hard. And that's the that's the key difference is, you know, games back then really didn't have level of play by amount of players. It had the same game. You right. You, you either were really good with one single player or, you know, you needed the multiple players and stuff. And it's, you know, you need it, especially in co-op type games. Um, you know, games like, let's just call it like Terminator 2 Shooter. You know, it's hard to get, I can't remember what the level is, but it's hard to get past a certain level with only one gun because there's too much coming at you. Operation Wolf is a shooter, which is a single player shooter, proves that in that, you know, you need to be able to you need to be very good to get past levels in that. And, um, so the cooperative games are always a little bit better if you're trying to, you know, like beat it or whatever, get to the most levels. But when you're getting into games like, you know, Pac-Man and stuff like that, you know, it's just a lot of it is luck. And then a lot of it is having good controls. You know, if you're really trying to go for really, really high scores and stuff like that, um, you know, it's having having the proper four-way gates on things. If you have the hard part is when you have four-way gate games and you have an eight-way gate joystick. Yeah. Because you don't have that. I'm going to call it, uh, you know, slight precision that you need for those games. Burger Time's a great one. You know, you die a lot if you're playing on an eight-way stick. It's just, it's very hard to hit the ladders. Donkey Kong's the same way. Hard to hit the ladders, things like that. So a lot of it is the hardware itself, too. Having proper hardware. And that's why one of my machines is I have a, I have automatic gate switchers on it. So it's a four- to eight-way gate. You push the button, and it can become a four-way gate. And then you push the button, and it becomes an eight-way gate. So Yeah, I think that's um, so cool. Yeah, and I'm going to put one on my Tron cabinet, too, because the light cycles... You know, the stick for Tron is an eight-way stick. So 
you know, so when you're trying to do light cycles on Tron, if you're doing an eight-way stick, it's very hard to hit the precision turns that you need because a lot of times you're pushing diagonal and diagonal isn't the way that it reads it. So, so I'm going to put one on that too. So that when I, whenever I do light cycles and you get to the multiple light cycles and stuff, you have to have precision stick. Cause if you don't, then I'm actually going to replace the stick on it too, to um, another one that's built. It's, it's a Tron stick um, that was built by another company, but it's a better, you know, better gates and better everything else on it. So um, what else have I been doing? Oh, I printed out my data slates and information Ooh. for the Astra Militarum. So I have my army rules. I have my, my book now, you know, uh, but then it comes with all the data slates and all of that, which is pretty cool. Um, let's see what else. It's, and it's interesting to see what they've done with some stuff, you know, the how they yeah. really change the the a lot less keywords i'm just gonna say that which is nice for me because i don't like having to try to you know remember eight hundred thousand things to play a game well and the upside is is on those data cards everything you need to know is right there right there yeah which That's is the one thing that i will give them full credit for like i don't have to go digging back to see what um stratagems work with this particular unit everything is printed right on the card yeah so yeah i'm, I'm gonna go the route like i know the games workshop actually um produced uh they're supposed to be the game store this week actually um actual cards for those so i'm picking up the sisters ones it's actually kind of i was actually expecting games workshop to rake me over the coals for those because i was expecting to pay like 30 bucks for those they're like 18 bucks is it for is it the data slates in canada were short short ships so you might want to um if you didn't reserve some, you might want to be quick. Oh, I reserved them. Don't worry. Just like I reserved my Leviathan box set to make sure that I got that, I 100% reserved that. So really quick, is that like all the data, the card data slates? or? Yeah, so basically it's the same thing that you have that you printed out, except they're on cardstock. Ooh, sweet. Well, I'm going to have to do that, too, because that'll be yeah. better. This is better for me planning, you know, having it printed out. And then game day, having the data slates, you know, in, like you said, card stock form. Um, I think of it the same way, like whenever you would set up for like X-Wing, like you literally have like your ship cards and all your upgrade cards sitting right in front yeah. of you. It's the yep. same thing. Like if you're only running like four or five or six different units, they're all just sitting right there. You can just literally pick them up and, and read through them right there. And that's what I want. You know, I want something that's easily manageable so that I don't, like I said, I don't like Sitting there having to remember 8,000 different things. its I can't do that. I don't... Well, you at least have the benefit of not misremembering or remembering the way things used to work or the way things used to be. I've played two, I've played two games of 10th already, and I go back home, I'm looking at my stuff and go, oh, wow, this weapon does this now. I totally didn't catch that. And I'm looking at it while I'm sitting there. So I just need to start having the habit of like picking up the card and looking at it and reading it and go, this weapon now has sustained hits. It didn't have sustained hits before. This weapon now does two damage. It didn't do two damage before. Because I've literally gone through and like completely played weapons wrong because I'm remembering how they used to be played, not how they're currently played. Gotcha. So okay. you, you at least have that benefit of not having old information in your head. Okay. So really quick, I'm looking at the games, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, <clears throat> workshop page, and it shows, so it shows that now the 10th edition book is out. Is that a true statement? 
yeah uh, yeah that'd be the rule book but if you ordered yourself a leviathan box set don't bother because it's already there i didn't i, I i'm not gonna pay 250 bucks for more space marines when i still have a thousand space marines to put together okay and the second thing i'll take note of is with the exception of the crusade rules which is the narrative gameplay those rules are available for free to download right now from games uh, warhammer community the workshop crusade rules uh no not the crusade rules they did not print those so if you want those you are going to have to either a buy the 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 Leviathan box set because they're in those, or the Crusade rules are going to come separate. They're going to be a separate book for that. We're already out there at the Leviathan Crusade. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, it's also the stuff that's in the back of the Leviathan box rule book. Right. Yeah. So if you get the Leviathan rule book, it's got those in the back, but they're selling the two of them separately. So if you're really interested in doing like the narrative campaign stuff, there is a separate book for that. I don't think that they're making that those rules uh free to release but the main yeah. rules for the actual game itself for the actual game of 40k aside i'm not not trying to say the crusade is an actual 40k please don't miss you know, misquote me on that but for like the war the warhammer 40k proper as opposed to you know crusade play those rules are available for free online you can print them out today that, that smacks up a whole lot of I'm not a racist. I've got a lot of black friends, but <laughs> well, so I'm not saying that Crusade play is not real 40k, but if you want to play real 40k. If you want to play real 40k, well, I don't know. We've gotten actually really, really close to the way they did the points. Like everything's just it, they just took power in my and called it points. It's the exact same thing. I could pay 110 points for a sister battle squad. They could all be equipped with bolters, or I could put a multi melta, uh, a plasma gun. I can put a a plasma pistol on the sergeant. I can put a simulacrum in there, and it's the same point value because there's no individual points for upgrades anymore. Which, from a new player's perspective, makes it super easy to build your stuff, whatever whatever you oh, want, you just, you just take. So there's no longer... Okay, that makes sense. Because So there's no upgrading like you did in ninth, where you'd pick the different types of weapons. It's all-encompassing now, right? Correct. Like, in in ninth edition and other previous editions of the game, you'd be like, oh, well, I want this guy to have a melta gun. That's five points. I want this person to have a plasma gun. That's five points. But I want that guy to have a multi-melter. Well, that's 15 points. And then you would take that base number and then you just add all these upgrades to get whatever your value is. That's all gone. At least in the current iteration of where we're at right now. Right now, it's like, for me, it's 110 points for a sister battle squad. Ten girls. Whatever you put in them is what you put in them. The way that they pointed it is to assume that you went to the top end, at least it feels like, with all of the upgrades. So there, I do feel like it's a little, hmm. It, it, that's going to get into the conversation we're going to have later for the main topic. But there, it definitely doesn't feel right. So, for example, one of the things that I noticed was, for you, Sean, if you decided to take a Lehman Rust tank, you could take a Lehman Rust tank, you know, just bare bones, battle cannon, then that's it. And I think that's 125 points. Or you can load it up with two sponsons with heavy bolters, a front-mounted heavy bolter, there's a top-mounted another gun that you can add to it, and you can upgrade the battle cannon, and that's also 125 points. So you can literally go from having one gun or seven guns for the exact same point value. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> it does. It makes the math I, real easy. I'm good with that because that, that just makes life a little bit easier. 
you know. Yeah, sure. The only, like I said, the only downside is those the a, the min maxers don't get the ability to go well. The right number of X number of models is just having seven in a squad because if you go more than eight, nine, or ten, you're, you're just wasting your points. So you can shave those points off. That what it does it, is it. It do the the correct number is the number. Uh huh. You still get to min max it. You take the most effective things. Yeah. Right. right, but it's you don't have a different. you don't have a per model point anymore. So like if you can have like squads mm -hmm. of five or ten, you can't have squads of like seven anymore. Like oh, I don't know, Death Guard, you know, because they're sold in packages. Yeah, but so now the min max is gonna be the person who decides: Do you take ten Death Guard and then add two characters to it as leaders because they get to add extras, or do you right. take five and add this most efficient leader and that second most efficient leader? So sure, the, sure. min maxes still get to play the game. Yeah, they just don't do the per model per point thing. I agree. And I get that. All right, that's pretty much it for my uh my however you want to put it the uh your flight deck call it what it is. Deck. The not flight my, deck. My flight week deck. in my my two weeks in gaming. There we go. All right, so Chris, do you want to do you want to jump in real quick or do you want me cuz I've got since I was not here last uh last show, I have a lot to, to talk about. Um, I can go. I've been pretty busy doing a lot of dice eight stuff. Um, like trying to recover from being in the UK. Uh, so I hadn't done too much gaming previously to like this week, but then I've been doing my best to get caught up now. Um, so the only reason I'm doing any painting today is I haven't painted basically the entirety of June. Ooh. So I'm doing my best to get get that underway. So are you saying that I've done more painting in June than you did? Probably. <laughs> did you do any? I, I did a lot, actually. That's part of, I'm like, I'm, I actually wanted to lead in with how much painting I've gotten done because I'm on a roll lately. For me, for me, not for others, but for, for Ed's standards, I am on a roll. Yeah. I, I got um, hardly anything done at all, painting-wise. But um, I'm just going to finish off my Wraith Guard for my Iandanami um, tonight. I'm going to make a start on some Shore Troopers, Star Wars Legion. Um, so yeah, I'm going to try and rectify that today. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I've been doing a lot of um, dissect stuff. I had like meetings with uh, accountants and all of that stuff. Uh, I had to do uh, a full business review to uh, give the people who gave us the funding to like do all the extra stuff that we've been doing. Um, so that's all taken care of now. They're not going to take my house off me, it's what it looks like. Well, that's dramatization may not have happened. I, I was um, just going to say, was it really that bad? Oh, no. Well, so the financing is secured against our house. So if I didn't um, do all of the stuff they asked me to do, they could have asked for their money back in full within seven days. And the only way I do that is figuring out some way of getting rid of the house and getting money from that, which isn't ideal because we live in the house. Yeah, that, that, that sounds bad. Yeah, well, but so I did all of the stuff they asked me to, so it's not, not a, no, a non-issue, you know? It's all good. Ooh. All good. Um, but yeah, so very little um, stuff done in, on, in the grand scheme of things compared to what we normally talk about. But I did manage to play... Um, since we last recorded, I've played a game of um, New 40k with my Demon Army. Um, played against some Ultramarines. That was good fun. Uh, I've played... Did I play Legion? 
No, I think me and Sean might have discussed my game of Legion. Can't remember now. If not, I played Legion. I'll not go into it too much. Um, you can hear all about that on Deploy with Garrison anyway. And uh, I played some X-Wing last um, on Friday, um, which yeah, I I haven't actually managed to push X-Wing ships around for a while. I was just going to say I haven't heard X-Wing actually talked about quite a bit here recently. Yeah, it was uh, a weird one. I, I was still running the list I made as soon as I got back uh, from the UK. I think I made a list and then played one game of it and was immediately unhappy with it. And then I played it. That's the only list I managed to play because I've just not found the time to you know, get the, the case out and go through all of the stuff and kind of update it all. But I played another game, but um, it was... Um, a Separatist list with Grievous and Dirge still, because that's what I was rocking before the points change. And then I tried the HMPs because they got a little bit of a points reduction and uh, a different Tri-Fighter. But I, I just find the list doesn't quite have the teeth to get the job done. So I'm going to have to relook at it. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to stick with that archetype or just completely ditch Separatist for a while and then try and come back to it with uh, with fresh eyes. Sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm not worried about it, you know what I mean? It was it's a close game, but I, I 100%... It, it's good. So last couple of times I've played previous to this one, I won't say I was massively salty, but I really didn't enjoy the losses. And it, like, not saying competitive Chris was coming back out or anything, but it was definitely, you know, I didn't enjoy it. This time... I lost. I recognized that I'd lost. Uh, so I've, I've forgotten upgrade. He had Death Troopers on his Decimator, which stops you from removing stress. And I'd, dialed, I'd planned to turn out of a fight and kind of run away with my little Tri Fighter who only had one health left. Um, but then I looked, right, I'd walked to the table again and picked my dial back up. So, oh, I could do a four straight here and then just boost past and around, and that should all be fine. But that put me at range one of a decimator, which was the reason why I hadn't dialed that in originally. But, you know, in the moment, I just forgot about it. So, landed. It's like, okay, so Death, Death Troopers come into play. It's like, yep, yeah, they do. I don't remove my stress, which means I'm going to die. Because he had um, Darth Vader on a decimator as well. So, you either get a choice of removing a green token or taking a damage stress. So, I don't get an action to do a green token. So I just die. No dice rolled. Yep. Uh, yeah, and that, that meant I lost two ships in that turn, which I'd kind of accounted for losing one and still being able to uh, stay ahead on points. But losing the two in that turn made it 18 to 16, which meant that next turn he had three ships, was going to be, could be in range of three objectives, and I can only kill one of those ships. But that's, it's not going to be enough to put him at 20 and me at 20. So he would have been a point ahead, no matter what the outcome was, unless I somehow managed to do the entire 12 hole on a decimator with two shots. So, you know, a crit, a crit chain from, from heaven would have been needed. Uh, so I just, I offered I mean, my mathematically hand. Mathematically, it's possible. <laughs> I don't even know that it's possible, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, I think you would have had to not reinforce for it to even be possible. And it, like, yeah, it was just one of those things. Like, I, I knew the game was over before he did, and just offered the hand. I was like, yeah, good game, mate. Yeah. No, it, it was good. I enjoyed it. It was just one of those um, instances of 
A little bit of ring rust, let's say. Um, yeah, that happens. That happens. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm definitely feeling something very similar when it comes to, um, I played well. I'll get I'll get into that whenever I get into mine. But I have similar, not feels very good, <laughs> couple of games. The last couple of games when it comes to the beginning of tenth edition. Yeah. Well, my tenth edition's been fine, but we've been playing a thousand points, and I've been running the great unclean one. So, you know, n- none of it matters. Yeah, it's, it'd be kind of like running Gazgul and, you know, some Mega Knobs at a thousand points. So the, the best thing about it is, um, if I can stay within my Shadow of the Warp for Great and Queen one, once he's taken half wounds, it means he has to start taking Battleshock tests. If I'm within my Shadow of the Warp and I pass a Battleshock test, I get to heal D3 wounds. So my 20 wound Great and Queen one just naturally heals without me having to do anything just by rolling dice to uh, oh yeah you've got me battle shocked oh thanks for healing me appreciate it <laughs> yeah yeah i think game um, is similar on like his vehicles as well where they just like just, they'll just sit there and just continuously regen wounds yeah um but yeah that's been it i've picked up um a new board game marvel dagger came out on the weekend um so i could uh, an eldritch horror pandemic kind of mishmash uh, that uh, has a Marvel skin on it, which uh, I did some playtesting for. It was really good fun. So I bought that just to see if my name was in the book, and then it wasn't. So I was like, oh. They, they mustn't have put the beta testers in there, you know, stupid beta, Chris. And it, I wasn't alpha enough. Aww. It was fine. I mean, it's a good, it was a fun game when we tested it, so I'm quite happy to... Um, own it as well. So I punched all of that out uh, yesterday and sleeved it all. So, um, I was in the store uh, while they had a Infinity Tournament on. We were actually closed for um, Canada Day yesterday. and um, But I, I went in, let the 10 players for Infinity in the store and just spent some time doing some like, merchandising and all of that, you know, cool kind of stuff. It's really easy that I never get to do because the store's only too busy. Yep, I can feel that. Yeah, that's me. You know, not much else. All right. So for me, where do I begin? Well, I'm most proud about my hobby stuff. So I don't remember. It's, I know it's been literally a month since I was on the show. So I'm just going to cover up the most recent stuff that I can remember getting completed. But I have been on a tear recently on getting my Sisters of Battle painted. So I think the last time I caught everyone up, I had a two five men, a two five girl, uh, five woman squads of Sisters of Battle fully painted and ready to go. I had another five uh, woman squad almost ready, and then the two retrograder squads almost ready. Well, I finished all of those and got all of those fully painted, so those are all done. I then made poor financial decisions thanks to the advice of my friends, and I do not regret in any way, shape, or form, um, because when I was at Adepticon, I got those four Metal Sisters of Repentia. I ended up getting five more off of a guy from the UK who I got those arrived in, and I got those all painted up. So I now have a full nine uh, woman squad of Repentia fully painted. I still need to do the Repentia Superior which is on my table of stuff I need to get done, but that's on my list of getting done. But those nine are done. I then rewarded myself with a new squad of retributors because I've been kind of like, I have, I had five multi-meltas 
uh, for my retributors, and then I was substituting heavy bolters or heavy flamers and pretending that they were um, multi meltas. And ultimately, I just decided to break down and just get another box of retributors to get two more multi meltas. I'm still one shy to have the two full squads to have all multi meltas, so I need to find like one multi melta. So I might end up buying another battle sister squad just for the girl that comes in with the multi melta, so that I can have two complete squads that have multi meltas. Anyway, so it's a lot of the word Melta all tossed in at the same time. So I got those uh, built, primed, Zenithal highlighted, um, and then 10th edition comes out. And I'm flipping through, and I'm looking at all my cards, and I'm looking at Battle Sisters, and I went, oh, crap. I can't run five woman squads of Battle Sisters anymore. The minimum is 10. So it's not that I don't have them. They're there. They're primed and Zenithal highlighted and ready to be painted, but they're not painted, which means I went from having three full squads fully painted, ready to go. Why do I have dogs running down here again? Like, don't open the door. <laughs> Come on, send them out. Apologies for the traffic, guys. So I'll pick up here in a second as soon as I hear that do that door close. That's, oh, the that's the second time they've come down here. So like Gabe's already shooed them up once within the last 10 minutes, and then it happens again. And I'm not really sure why that's happening. Uh, you have a ghost in the house opening your door. Yeah, they're, they're little people about that big that keep opening the door, even though they know they're not supposed to at this point. Okay, so I'm going to pick back up with... Uh, as I said, I'm not editing it, so I'll get wherever. Ah, the heck with it. Then we'll leave it there. So I apologize for the audience for being able to hear my dogs going through. Anyway, so I had, so I now found, I went from having three full squads, full, uh, three full squads fully painted, ready to go, to now not having one of my basic troop choice fully painted. So I said, nope, can't have that. So sitting upstairs, I just finished this afternoon the additional five uh, women to add on to my squad number one. So I now squad number one is now a full 10 woman squad of Sisters of Battle fully painted. I've got five more sitting upstairs that I'm going to work on. We've got 4th of July coming up here in the United States and we have off that day. And unlike other years, like we did everything over the weekend that we wanted to do. So Tuesday's just going to be a bum around, do nothing kind of day. So that's going to be the day I'm going to hopefully get those other five painted. And even though I'm only running two squads in my 1500 point list, I'm still going to paint the final five so that I have three full squads fully painted. And then I did the math today. I think I'm down. If I include those two 10 girl squads, I'm down to like 14 infantry squad or infantry models to paint to have my 1500 painted. I still have vehicles. I still have Paragon war suits and I still have Morven Vol to paint, but I'm getting really, really close to having my 1500 point list fully painted. That's what we've been playing at the store store recently. We do have intentions of bumping it up to 2000, but we have not one, not two, but now a third person who's kind of new to the game. So we're trying to kind of like incorporate everyone in and longer games. is not a good way to teach someone the game. We started off at a thousand and then we left the store on Tuesday and everyone's like, yeah, no, I'm kind of done with a thousand. I want to bump up to 1500, even the new guys. And I'm like, all right, that's what we're doing then. So we are starting um, not this week because Tuesday is the 4th of July and that's our game night. So two weeks from now, we're going to be bumping up to 1500 points. 
So I'm getting games in. I'm getting painting done. It's getting. I'm actually getting to the point where I'm almost happy with where the army is. I'm getting better at it. Um, I did get the Leviathan box set. I did re reserve one. I think I shared with the guys that my local game store manager may have trolled me on Discord when he sent me a photo of all of the boxes in the store on Friday. But he's like, yeah, we haven't gotten the PO through, so I can't actually sell them to anyone tonight. So you actually have to come in on Saturday to pick them up. And he was just, he was just toying with me. Um, but of course, there's a whole bunch of Tyranids in there. And everyone's like, oh, why aren't you putting the Tyranids together just yet? And I'm like, I, I want to. Here's what I'm afraid of. If I put the Tyranids together, I'm going to want to play them. If I want to play them, it means I'm going to want to paint them. If I want to paint them, that means I'm going to walk away from painting sisters. And I don't want to do that yet. Because if I do that, I may never come back and paint them again. So I, it's how Ed's brain works. I don't know how else to explain it. But if I get off of this train now, it's going to be really hard for me to get back on it and get back into the muscle memory that I've been building up. Like I'm getting to the point, like I'm getting good, not great, but I'm getting good at painting sisters. And I'm afraid if I walk away now and go to paint something else, I'm going to lose that edge and have to start from the beginning all over again. So I just, I'm just not like, I'm legitimately debating. I have the, uh, the jump pack girls. Um, Seraphim. Seraphim and Zeraphim, both the ones that have the two bolter uh, bolt pistols or the sword or the swords. I'm legitimately debating painting them, even if I'm not using them, because that should clean up most of my infantry models. Um, and I might uh, paint another 10 girl Dominion squad because I got a, a brand. Um, we got gift cards for our month to month. You know, we have monthly meetings at work and I got an Amazon gift card at work. So I turned that Amazon gift card into a new Rhino because I only have actually one Rhino for the sisters. I have probably 12 sitting in a box over here, but those are space Marine Rhinos. Those aren't sister Rhinos. So I can't use those. I have to use the sisters of Adawan. So notoriously, I, I since I'm going to paint the inside of it, I'll paint the interior. I need to paint it as I'm building it. So I'm going to save that for a reward after I get my 1500 point done. And then I, in preparation for 2000, because I like to put a squad of Dominions in there. So that's it. I've been getting games in. We've been I, I've been trying to help the local guys out. So like every time we get something new out, for example, um, GW just did the GW tournament, uh, their uh, GT tournament pack, which is a combination of all the cards that came in the Leviathan box set. And they said, you know, it's going to be this mission with this special special rule with this deployment. And they did 20 some of those. So I made a document in PDF form for all the guys at our local game store so that if I say, hey, I'm paying mission C, I can just put it on a table. And I can see all the stuff I need to know. The only thing you need to do is your uh, secondary objectives for your attacker and defender. That's it. So even the guys that didn't get the card sets yet can still play and still play the missions the way that they're supposed to be played. So that's a lot. I get a lot done. Also, on my trip to Florida, I think I probably sold at least one Steam Deck um, because, of course, that was fantastic to have in Florida whenever I just went winding down. Um, having on the flight there and the flight back, I was playing Castlevania Symphony of Night or I was playing um, Resident Evil 2 on the airplane next to someone who's looking at me going, what is that? And I, had, I, I went through the whole Steam Deck um, sales pitch and what it was and how to get it and where to find it. So I think I probably sold Valve at least one Steam Deck. And last but not, certainly not least, um, I'm having pluses and minuses in my aquarium life. Um, the main tank is doing outstanding. 
Um, we're having a shrimp bonanza going on in the tank. I went from having 10 shrimp to like, I've lost count. I think there's probably 40 or 50 in there now. Um, so legitimately I'm at the point where I'm like, I might have to consider like, you know, selling some of these because this is going to get out of hand really fast. Yeah. The, the, the big thing with shrimp is you're going to have to learn to cull them too. Yeah, I know yeah. to make sure that I get all the good colors so far. Everyone that I've seen though, they're all the same color. Yeah. So I was anticipating that. I was into like I can tell that the males are a little bit paler, but like most of the, the they always are, and they're yeah, going they are. to be right. Yeah. But like they're all still like a good vibrant red, and they're still young. Um, so what I did for Father's Day, I was getting given a little ten gallon tank that I was going to use for like an isolation tank, but it was going to be just a shrimp and snail tank. Is really what that's going to be. I am not having any luck with that tank. I did two things with that tank differently than I've ever done before. Um, first I got that black soil cause I've usually been a gravel guy. I've been a gravel guy for as long as I did. So like even the main tank that I've got upstairs, there's some of that soil on the bottom, but there's gravel on top of it so that it was able to feed the rooted plants. And I decided to go with just, just the soil. And I went with a sponge filter and I'd never used either one of the two of them before in ex exclusively. And for whatever reason, I cannot get this tank to settle. Like that black soil just seems like it's just but leaching. Think about into... it this way. On your other one, you put sand on top, right? Well, gravel, but yeah. Yeah. So you locked in all of the, you know, all of the, the soil, right? So the only time you're going to get any type of disruption of that soil is when you have, when you pull a plant. Literally, that's going to be about it, unless you get a fish or something that digs into the soil. Without capping your soil, you're still going to release, you know, it's still dirt. You know, it, rivers aren't clear once they hit sediment beds and things like that. You know, lakes sure. are clear once they hit sediment beds. And <clears throat> without capping it in, that's why, like, I put... It's like fluoride. It's the, I'm not sure, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like eco-complete. It's the clay that I put in on the bottoms of my tanks. I always put gravel on top. Even though that stuff isn't going to release like a soil is, I still cap it because, you know, they can still leach over time. You know, they're going to break down their clay. So they're going to break down to this hardened clay. And that's the problem you're having is that you're going to have to do one of two things. You're going to have to put a power filter on it with a carbon filter, you know, carbon filtration in it because a sponge filter isn't totally designed to clean, clean the water. It's not designed as a purifier because it doesn't have any purifying elements to it. It just has a sponge. And unless you're pulling that sponge out every, you know, every week or day or whatever in bringing it, you're really not going to have, you don't have anything that's polishing your water. Gotcha. That so, makes so much sense. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing with a lot of people with soils is they want the soil because it's a different way. You know, it's actually a more nutritious way for the plant roots and stuff without. Right. Putting, that's what I was thinking. But, but without capping it though, you have, you know, Think about when you step into a lake, the, the area you're looking at is, you know, clear to the lake standards. You step in it, what happens? It kicks up the dirt, right? Yeah. You know, because you've agitated it. And even though your bubbles are going up, you're still sucking water through your filter. You're agitating the water at the soil level. 
No, and that so, makes perfect sense. Yeah, so it's just you, you just need to put a sand or gravel cap on it, and then you should be good over time. You'd have to do a lot of water changes to get it back to clear once you do that, but or drain it all the way down and start it, you know, put in whatever you're going to put in for gravel on top of it. Yeah, and like right now, I mean, I only got like a couple of rooted plants, and I've got some of the the, the floater plants that I pulled from my main tank over there, and I've got my two pieces of driftwood that I put in it, but I can just pull those out. That's not really that big of a deal. They're already waterlogged, so they'll actually just drop to the bottom. So that might actually not be a bad idea. I might add that to my list of things to do on Tuesday, because um, I do have a bag. Uh, I do have extra um, gravel that I could put over top of it to cap it. Right. Now that you've said that, that makes perfect sense on why I'm having the trouble that I'm having. Yeah, it's just the, that you're using a dirt substrate instead of a dirt with a cap on top of it. Yep. All right. Well, you've convinced me. Well, because like I said, I haven't been able to move anything into that tank living yet because I haven't been able to get it square yet because it's it's always murky. It's all like it was. So for the first week or two, it was kind of like looking at like like iced tea, you know, like because because the tannins from the. Um, Driftwood from the driftwood. I knew that was going to happen. I did a water change that kind of cleared up, but then it kind of got like, it just started getting black and I'm like, Oh, so, all right. That makes a lot of sense. I think I might do that. Then I'll, I'll, uh, uh, that, that'll be my weekend project. Um, or my Tuesday project is to kind of go through and cap that. Cause it really shouldn't be that big of a deal. No, it should be pretty quick. You can just drain it down to an inch of water on top. You know, it's going to be really dirty. That way your plants are, still in the water, still moist and everything else. And then just put your gravel in on top. Yep. Rinse the gravel again, first and then put it on top, but yes. <laughs> yeah. And then you're going to fill it very slow and then water change the crap out of it till it all settles. Okay. All right. Well, that's what I'm going to end up doing then. Because like I said, I had high hopes of, you know, a week or two from now being able to move some snails and move some uh, shrimp over, but I, I've not been able to get the tank to, to settle yet. So I'm just like, I'm, it's so frustrating for me to be able to look at my main tank and it's it's absolutely perfect. It's exactly where I want it to be. It looks great. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's happy. It looks beautiful. And then I go to the literally 10 feet away from it. I've got this poor tank that's just I'm, I'm struggling with. Yeah. Remember that a 10 liter tank is always going to be harder to maintain in a, a big tank. No, I, yeah, I knew that going Any in. small change is going to be a massive swing yep. in the pH balance and everything. Sure, and that's why I was only going to put shrimp and snails in. I wasn't really intending to put too many fish in that, but yeah, you're right. You're 100% correct. All right, I think that, oh yeah, and then we have baby fish that I'm not really sure what they are. Um, <laughs> uh, we, they were spotted at the top, so we're going to wait until they grow up a little and find out what they are. Um, my bet's they're the Danios, but we'll, we don't know. We'll see. We'll see whenever they, they get a little bit older what they turn out to be. All right, so that's going to do it for the flight deck. Uh, if we're going to move on to what the main topic of the show is, and that is going to be getting into a new edition of the game. So, of course, we're talking like, obviously, this is inspired by the fact that the 10th edition of Warhammer 40K has come out. But I do want to keep in mind there are other games out there. The genus of this show, actually, um, kind of goes back to whenever 
X-Wing 1.0, 1.5, whatever you want to call it, had rotated out and then they moved into X-Wing 2.0. There's a new edition of Dungeons and Dragons coming out. So like there's a lot of that like, ooh, my game's changing. And I kind of wanted to get everyone's thoughts on what it was like changing over editions and how you felt. Like I've got examples of edition changes that I didn't care for. And I have struggles right now with 10th edition on where it is at the moment because I feel like they've made some changes that I don't necessarily agree with and having seen them in practice feel like it's kind of broken and needs fixed so I will toss it out to the main group here for a minute have you uh, what are your thoughts when changing an edition of any game it doesn't have to be a tabletop game it can even be like a second edition of your favorite board game that's come out and that they've updated rules or changed rules I think, um, I think go on, well, go, sorry okay yeah um, for me I, sometimes I think I think people can believe, and, and even myself can believe, it's a money grab when you do it, you know, because <clears throat> new additions mean you got to buy new stuff. And mm -hmm. there is that. And, and one of the things, you know, that, you know, in today's day and age in capitalistic society, the, the concept is, you know, how are you going to make profits on a game that, you're not able to really make many profits on because you already have your base, you know, there. Your your people have bought it and they they're done. You know, once you buy something and if it doesn't have expansion packs, it's a one-shot deal. And I think that's part of the problem in the board gaming industry. You know, that's why companies designers are always trying to make new games, which is good because it's innovation, it's all of that type of stuff. But it's because, you know, once you make it and the core audience is going to purchase it, then how are you making money off, you know? Yeah, you that's know, one of the things I do make the argument for. Like, a new edition of the game isn't necessarily a bad thing because it means the game's still around. Um, the fact that Dungeons & Dragons is going to be going, I, don't know, I know they're calling it like a 5.5, but going into their sixth edition of the game, the fact that Warhammer 40k has been around long enough to have been through 10 editions of the game. A new edition of the game doesn't necessarily a bad thing because it does mean growth, it does mean change, but it does mean that the company's still around and the game's still being supported, and that's always good. But you're correct in the fact that Games Workshop, for example, being and I, I I hate being very Games Workshop centered in this particular topic, but like they change an edition almost like clockwork, like every three years or for the past, I don't know, 15 years, every three years, you can almost set your watch to it. At the summer of that year, there's going to be a new edition of the game. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I, I think over time, it can be a good thing because once again, you're innovating, but if you're doing it just to do it, that's different than doing it with new creative value. And a good example of it is 40K, uh, you know, they, they have a lot of different factions. You know, you have a bazillion Space Marine styles, you know, you have, you just have a lot of things to choose from. But in my opinion, if you're not adding more factions in, which I know that that can cause problems down the road with, you know, there are issues with that that we saw with X-Wing, you know, when you went from two factions to three factions and then three factions to however many there are now in the game, you you know, you have balancing issues. You have, you know, when Skun, you know, you look at it when you had first edition and all you had was Imperial and Rebels 
there was an easy balancing factor in that because you're only balancing two um two factions but then you look at when they brought scum in they brought him in with power that oh boy did they that, that wasn't there at the beginning of the rebels and imperial factions so as long as you're keeping it semi-balanced you know that's which is the hard part and here's the deal we're also talking about a game or games and not board games these are like the miniatures games that we usually talk about if okay i, I gotta remember how to say this but <laughs> if, you, if you're bringing it in if you're bringing it in logically it's good but if you're bringing it in illogically without a plan I think it's pretty bad, and that's kind of where I felt X-Wing went to when they brought in Scum. They didn't quite have a plan right away with it. They were just trying to bring it in and shotgun it in. And I I look at D&D, you know, the best edition, in my opinion, was first edition. Every single thing that they have done after that has actually taken it down a notch, in my opinion, because third edition came out, and it kind of... You started moving into that. I don't know how do you want to put it, but more of a tabletop game. It's more of a strategic tabletop game at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Fourth edition became a video game. You know, yeah. it almost it almost went to like a role masters. You know, in a sense where you know role masters was very vivid in what they wanted to do, but it was like a video game vivid in my opinion. It was like trying to recreate World of Warcraft in an RPG. That's that's what fourth edition felt like to me. And then fifth, fifth edition, it felt like they kind of tried to rein it back in, but they put a lot of a lot of control pieces in. You know, to create a character, you had to do X, Y, Z. It just wasn't selecting a race, selecting a <laughs> class. Okay, Sean, I want you to create me a first dice. edition paladin. What, sorry, say that again. Uh, okay, Sean, I want you to make me a first edition paladin. You rolled a twelve for your your charisma. Yeah, you can't do that because. Oh, okay. Just, just saying that you just said that they added in gatekeeping to how you make characters, whereas well, in the first edition, which was perfect and had no errors, you couldn't literally be a paladin because you didn't have a high enough charisma. Well, here's not the deal, though. You, you can't it, it be a shit the... paladin, but we, in five e, you can be a shit paladin. In first edition, you, they just don't let you. One of those things. Edition, in, it, in first edition, though, you rolled your dice and you placed your, you placed your numbers you know that's how you did it if you needed a high dexterity 17 or above a dexterity and you had a 17 that's where you kind of put that yes it does pigeonhole you in a way but it's not like where you're selecting one two three or four different things to create your character you know it's the only really restriction you had was that one one or two different um needed attributes you know after that it was your character to create on your own a mage when you created a magic user it was either a mage which is kind of like an all class or an illusionist and then they brought more in later so to me you could kind of structure your character any way you wanted to you didn't your backstory was your backstory not one that you roll or not roll but you know make the selections for things like that and Yes, there's always going to be the argument, you know, of, you know, each edition is in its own, has its own inherent problems, which they always do. But I thought, in essence, first edition D&D was the purest form of it. 
So question for you. So whenever second edition came out, did you recognize right away that it wasn't, you didn't like the changes? So second edition, a lot of what second edition did is it, is it kind of reined in some of the problems that first edition did have, but everything that second edition really was that changed the game was all optional. Fair. You know, second edition wasn't a game that inherently changed it. It just gave you more choices, kind of like you get today. You know, it added in more choices, added in some spells, added in, you know, certain things. But it wasn't, it was still functionally first edition. You know, it was just mapped as second edition. And that's, once again, so you can sell more crap, more books, more. But they didn't have that many second edition books in essence, you know. Um, you had the DMG, which really was just an enhancement to first edition DMG. You had the player's handbook, which actually was a better player's handbook, in my opinion. Then it added the optional rules, if you wanted optional rules into it. Um, I'm trying to think what else they had. They had things like, like the Tome of Magic, you know, so it was, you already had, with first edition, you had damn near everything you ever needed to play, you know, Manual of the Planes. Oriental Adventures, they gave you everything in 1st Edition. 2nd Edition was kind of like just a enhancement of 1st Edition. It didn't change 1st Edition much, in my opinion, you know. It did add the God-tier levels, which yes, it, allowed you, it, al- it allowed your characters to go over basically 16th level, you know, the 8th and ninth casting level, or 17, 18, and puts you into put you into stats that were more godlike stats. You know, that was a change, but that was an optional change, you know, and it gave players and DMs more visibility on that side. But beyond that, you still rolled this, you still created characters the same way. You still created monsters the same way if you were the DM, and you still created your dungeons the same way. So maybe going first or second edition wasn't the, wasn't the right step. How about whenever you went from the first, second edition into third edition, which was... Dramatically different between the two editions. Um, I never really got too far into third edition, so I can't totally speak to it. I just know that it it was too big of a change for me, and because it's not the way that I wanted to play D anD D. You know. Yep. It, no, that makes sense. You know the the I think the biggest thing is is that with with the with the third edition of D anD D it. And I think there's a lot of confusion on third edition of D&D, too, because like we've talked about in the past, a lot of people think the Black Books are third edition. Hmm. And they're really not third edition, but that was the branch that changed first second into third edition. It was like a, you know, it's kind of like second edition went down the path of giving you the Fighter's Handbook, Cleric's Handbook, and all of those things which was giving you kind of like the unearthed arcana changes by adding cavaliers and all of those types of things. And I think it was unearthed arcana. It was. And, you know, so it was just an expansion on that concept of what first edition was doing anyway. With yeah, those black arcana. books even had a forward in the front of it. I remember it now that you said that where it literally at the beginning of the forward says, this is not third edition. Yeah. But it was third edition in a sense, you know, it's, it was, it was a change from first to second. Now, one thing I don't have experience with is Warhammer changing from an edition to an edition per se, because I came in basically at ninth edition. Now I was still working off 
eighth edition things for like Aster Militarum when I went with them. And I really didn't have much of a chance to even play ninth edition. Right. So it's you're kind of coming over. So the reason why I brought that specific example up going from second to third edition, because I, as much as I did play and love first and second style edition, I did mostly play um, outside of the old, you know, high school um, Friday night playing D and D kind of thing where a vast majority of my D and D was in my early adult life was with third edition and more specifically with 3.5. Um, whenever that, when they found some fundamentally broken stuff and they basically re-released the edition two years into its lifespan. Right. Um, for me, when fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons came around, so I, I guess where I'm trying to get to is once, so when fourth edition came out for Dungeons and Dragons, um, very early on, I figured out that that was not the game for me. I saw what the motif was. I saw what the 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 MMO style, video game style of fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons, and that was just not the game that I knew. And in any other um, type of game, it's one of those things like, well, I'm just going to go and still play 3.5 because that's the edition of the game that I like. And maybe I'll find some folks that continue to play with me um, because they agree with me that that's the same. Because I've already heard chatter on the internet of people that aren't making the, the transition over to 10th yet because they don't, A, don't like some of the changes and B, don't feel that it's done. Um, that we're basically open beta testing it right now. There's even tournaments in Europe um, that are still going to be running 9th edition tournaments, even in 10th edition era, um, for those reasons. Um, but the funny thing for me was when, the, when I was looking to get out of 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons, I had an outlet that popped up out of nowhere for me when Paizo decided, hey, that 3.5 game is still pretty good and a lot of people still liked it. We're just going to take those Ape Gaming License rules and we're going to make our own game and call it Pathfinder. We're going to tweak some of the rules, fix things up, and then boom, you have an alternate product that you can, an alternate game that you could play. Um, because the down, and that to me, I thought was interesting because I mean, that was kind of like the, ooh, there's an interesting idea kind of thing. Um, because you don't really get those options with many other games. Like, sure, there's a handful of people that's like, oh, I'd rather be playing 9th edition. 9th edition is a better game. But in fairly short order, you're going to find yourself in a situation where if you go, if you're the type of gamer like I and a lot of other people are, where their game nights are done at a local game store, they go to a place, they go to play, <clears throat> excuse me, they go to play with their friends, everyone's going to be playing the latest edition. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why that is. How, you know, they stopped printing 3.5 books. Right. It's harder to get 3.5 books today. Now you can get them through Pathfinder if you're playing Pathfinder, but that's the biggest change is like 3.5 to me. So I did play 3.5. I've played Pathfinder version of 3.5. And what 3.5 reminded me of where 3.0 failed in was it was like first, second edition with using second edition, like adding all the optional rules from second edition and then feeding them heavily with steroids, you know, because that's really what the game became was all your feats and all your abilities and all of that stuff. Oh that was, boy, was it. That was extra too, you know, in second edition, first edition, second edition, you, you kind of started adding those types of things in, you know, feats were kind of starting to get added in through the kit books and things like that, you know, and, but they weren't outrageously out of hand. Like my son was telling me, you know, years ago that he was playing a ranger that basically could one shot everything he fought, you know, because of the way th the rules in 3.5 are, you know, 
And I'm like, okay, I, I can see that, but I'm also for the progression of a game that makes you earn it, you know, yeah, which is what first edition here. did. First edition made you earn levels. It made you earn, because when you went up a level, you just didn't go up a level. You had to find a trainer, you know, and spend money to get that trainer to train you up to a certain point, you know, and, you know, spells weren't. You couldn't watch another caster cast a spell and learn a spell like you can in 5th, which, if there's one thing in 5th that drives me absolutely batshit no, crazy... Oh, that's a... Okay, okay, I didn't know that, because I think that that's just not realistic in, in sense, you know, because there's so many different things to the incantation part of it. But I have known other people that do that. Chris, you're not the yeah. only one. It's not a, it's not an uncommon house rule. Just a, yeah, it's yeah. not and, the standard. Oh, okay, see, and I didn't play Magic users, so I didn't realize that. But there's just a lot of different things in, you know, like what I liked it. What the, it's kind of like first edition X-wing. You know, I really did enjoy the dogfight version of X-wing. Yeah, more so than the. And, and probably part of that is is because I didn't grow up in an environment where I played games in objective-based gaming. You know, most of what I did was just the dogfight stuff. You know, it was one-on-one dogfight. Um, and, you know, that's the that was a hard change for me, and it probably is in the end. I was hoping that I could overcome that, and I couldn't. And so that's probably the prime driver that drove me away from playing X-Wing was the idea, because it adds another element to the game for me that's I have to figure out, you know, and I have to, I'm not good at that. You know, I'm not good at trying to figure out points through objectives and things like that. And it probably would have helped if I would have actually popped open my crisis protocol case and would have played that. That's sitting up on a shelf right now unbuilt you know and all of that it probably would have helped me with that but but i just didn't do it and i'm learning it through 40k but that's how 40k is based you know it's it's an objective based game and i actually enjoy that didn't used to be sean (laughs) how how long ago though uh multiple editions of the most popular game is just kill your opponent i'd only say that the last couple of editions has been um, more focus on being able to win the game and get tabled kind of thing. Yeah, I think 5th edition, if I'm not mistaken, was the one that introduced objectives to the game. Okay. And even at that, they were objectives that you scored at the end of the game. So not was, round by it, round. Yeah, it was still killy. Like, the, the game that you know didn't really get introduced until, like, 8th edition. Which makes sense, because when I played Fantasy way back when, it was you know, kill your opponent fantasy. It wasn't, you know, go jump on this this rock and sit there for as long as you can and gather points. Which is still the most fun game that I have is when it's, you know, like a war. You know, yeah, you take objectives in battles and things like that, but those are more for strategic value, you know. If you hold that objective, then you have a better firing line downhill on somebody or better artillery lines and things like that. And... Well, for me, it even adds. So from the, the fluffy player in me, the, the story driven one, it gives your guys a reason to be there mm-hmm. other than just there's the enemy, go kill them kind of thing. Like, cause that's not normally like 
not a lot of battles in wars are fought for those reasons. They're usually fought for specific reasons. They're I feel like you uh, haven't read any 40k uh, history. Any 40k history? Oh, sure. Yeah. There's a hundred. The entire reason the universe exists is so that humans can go and commit genocide on all alien races. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair. But it does give your, it, to me, it gives you a fluffy reason for your army to be there. Like, why are they there? Oh, there's, like, and you can create your own headcanon on whatever those things could be. Like, oh, well, these are, you know, secret plans of the enemy and we need to retrieve them and they've got computers we got to pull. Like, there's all kinds of different ways that you can put that into your head of, like, the reasons why I have a 10-girl squad sitting at an objective in the back. I'm like, well, what are they doing? Why are they just right. standing there kind of thing? Well, those are some of the reasons why. Hey, Chris, was Imperial Assault objective-based? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, they had different missions, um, okay. depending on what app you were playing. Yeah, and I'm talking about the competitive play, of course. Yeah, so the um, the the maps had two missions each, I believe. Oh, that's right, yeah, and then you had yeah. to choose. You chose which one you were going to do, or the... Yeah. Yeah, okay. It was like, take boxes from A to B. Yeah. Um, get X amount of stuff from this place to that place, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Chris, I'm kind of, we have, I, I know you're, I know you're in the, the midst of uh, trying to get some, no, hobby, no, too, but I'm kind of curious. That. I haven't heard much on your side of your thoughts on when a new addition to your favorite game or your favorite miniatures game comes out, any apprehensions that happen or. I mean, so the problem is that when I'm 40 now, <laughs> I've played, I've played games from, like this for over half of my life. If you want the the reactions you want happened with fifteen year old Chris when second edition changed to third edition. When um fantasy went from having to rank up four wide to rank up five wide to get a, a rank bonus. When they changed it again that if you were ten wide you came to do the horde unit. Alright. Now an edition change is like cool, I wonder what this does. If I enjoy it, I'll play it. If I don't, I won't. I've got that many... I've got my my fingers in that many pies for what games I play. Yeah, that's but, true. It, you it, do which it, just doesn't bother me in any way, shape, or form. Like, 10th edition could be the best version of 40k, or the worst version of 40k. If I enjoy playing it with my friends, we'll play it. If we don't, we'll play someone else. So, I'm... That's not conducive to a conversation you want to have. So if you want more from me, you're going to have to reframe the question into something else. I ask, well, <laughs> let me ask you a question real quick. Yeah. So, so let's say you, you change to an edition that you don't like. Do you backtrack and play the edition that you do like? Um, not really. But I, um, I've carried on playing games that were dead. Like I've carried on playing um, Adeptus Titanicus and well, Epic Armageddon, as it was called, when I was playing it more. And uh, we played that for a long time after it went away. We played Blood Bowl when it was being run by a rules council, but there hadn't been a replacement for those um, since Adeptus Titanicus came out. I haven't played a game of Epic Armageddon. Uh, I also I've I bought stuff and built uh, um, an army for Adeptus Titanicus, but I haven't got around to playing it yet, and that's been maybe four years I've owned this nice army. Probably about four years. Yeah. And complete side note: they did just announce this weekend of a new epic 
kind of. Adeptus Legionis or something like that. Yeah. The only, this is the, so, and I totally understand the reasonings for it. I just kind of like, it, it leaves a bit of a sour taste in my mouth because it, they're only doing it based on the Horus Heresy, which means that you're going to basically have three, four kind of factions you're dealing with. They're all going to be, it's going to be power armor on power armor, or it's going to be power armor. I have armor to tell you how you're wrong again. By, by all the means, entire the entire history of Adeptus Titanicus and Space Marine was Adeptus Titanicus was initially t- um, Titans against Gargants. When they brought out Space Marine, that was when the Horus Heresy was invented and fleshed out to be exactly what it is uh, today. So without an epic scale game that features Space Marines against Space Marines, the Horus Heresy as it exists today wouldn't be a thing. So you're complaining that they're revisiting that. I'm not just complaining. I'm not complaining. Complaining. I just went and I. Uh, and remember, there's... when Adeptus Titanicus came out, the complaints that you had was, "Oh, it's only Titans. There's no, there's no tanks or tr- infantry." Uh-huh. Oh, look at that! Now there is. Now there are, and don't get me wrong. So you complain about this version is, "Oh, there's only Space Marines." Weird in two years when there's orcs, elder, and tyranids. Oh, sorry, that's what I I want. Sorry, not tyranids, it will be um, arachnids from um, um, is it murder, whatever the designation is 2319, I want to say, but I'm probably wrong. Don't check with books. It's not a complaint, 6319. No, that's um, that's 63 was Horace's. And Horus wasn't a person. Yeah, I'm sure it's a 23, because it was found by the Blood Angels. And they're basically Tyranids. They are. They're pretty much Tyranids. So it's not necessarily a complaint. I 100% understand the history. I am fully well aware of the fact whenever Epic first came out, it was only intended to be Space Marines versus Space Marines. And as the game grew and the popularity grew, then later down the line, they added Tyranids. They added... So the orc, I'm, I'm going to jump in. You, you use the word intent there. The intent was to make money selling little models. Sure. If that is achieved by selling you Elder and Tyranids and Squats, that was the intent. Sure. The, the initial setting was only Space Marines on Space Marines. Yeah, so but, you're right. There's nothing stopping them from making stuff later down the line, two, three years down the line. So um, I'm still right, going to buy it. I'm not going to lie. So let's, let's be honest. Right? I'm going to paint a picture with words for you because that's how podcasts work. Right? You, you're sat I'm get, there, I'm, right? I'm getting comfy. I really, really want to cash in on the fact that people miss epic scale gaming with Titans and... Epic Armageddon was a really silly game with cult following. But what about if we did it and just released everything all at once so people could rebuy the same army? And that's the person who gets thrown out of a window because the correct answer was always, well, if we do it with just uh, Warlord Titans for like a year, everyone who wants to play it will buy Warlord Titans. Then if we release uh, Reavers and Warhounds, people buy some Reavers and Warhounds. Then if we release more varieties of knights, people like buy a knight household. Then if we release um, weapon options for all of the titans, people who've glued their arms in are going to buy a new titan with the weapon sprue. Then if we release forge world options for these titans, people buy those. And as long as you do it over a long enough timeline where you give people time to slowly trickle out of spending all of their money, it, it's fine. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, we're, we're kind of at a point now where we've saturated all of the options now 
for epic scale warfare with just titans and knights. So let's put some space marines in there. You can play with space marine legions with some titan support. You already own some titans, so you might as well buy it. And you get a new market of people who did hold out because they wanted a like, to have infantry on the table. So everyone's going to buy it. Then all of those people are like, oh man, I really wanted to play some ad mech though. Oh, well, and you've got your titans already. So here's some Skatari battalions and yeah. some Martian one, like one train weapons. So oh, cool, cool. I'll buy all of that. Oh, you know, we've got some Adeptus, um, oh, sorry, some Imperial Guard and um, Adeptus Militarum. So you can get all of that. I thought Elder were around at the time. There's battles against the Elder, Orcs. Or like, you can play pre Ulanar now, so you can have Horus when he was a good guy fighting side by side with the Emperor against some Orcs in Ulanar. Sure can. Oh, so um, I got a question on this then, Chris, because so every time that they release a new faction, let's say, does that create almost like a mini new edition? Well, that's the way it's being pitched at the moment, is that it's actually a new edition of the game, um, where it is, the focus is pivoted to Space Marine Legions. But like, if you, your options are they do it this way or they don't do it. I'll take them doing it this way, thanks. I'll take it. I'll take doing it this way too. And I'm not gonna lie, the fact that they packed not one but two Warhound Titans in that box is probably what I already sold it for. <laughs> because I'm like, I want a Warhound Titan. I want two of them. It it, it looks really really good, it, it, and it's got all the things that I wanted it to have. It's got multiple little blocks of five man infantry squads, painting it eight millimeter. I can't help but notice that they bumped it up to eight millimeter from six. Now. I don't know if that's the way that the the two the other... The Titanicus, eight... yeah. That, that's everything upscaled for the new editions. So okay. Aeronautica and Titanicus did upscale to that scale already. Okay, so yeah, since I didn't really pay attention to those two games, that's probably why. But that does make me wonder, so like the, the Titans from that game are still playable in this game, correct? Weird, yeah. Interesting. All right, all right, you sold me on it. No, well, that's the entire thing of a new edition. It's like, I'm not going to jump on you too hard, so I was going to wait for you to go on about the stuff that you dislike, because I feel like I already know what they're all going to be. But, like, people who are saying about, oh, you you only have five or ten-man squads. Well, today, we only have five or ten-man squads. Can we wait until a codex has come out, please? Correct. Why? Correct. I would put decent money on by the time we we've gone through well, maybe maybe this time next year. Most of those concerns won't exist and all of those people whining will be playing and having fun. I agree. I mean, well, you know, I, I'm going to complain at, you know, 190 points for my Russ, you know, because they're <laughs> 190, not you know, up to like 205 or 210 per tank. I mean, you know, that's that's a little pricey, you know. It is. It is. It's really cheap if you give it all the weapons. Yeah, just give it every weapon in the. Uh, it can yeah, that's what have. Say, yeah, it'll it'll just you know have everything on it, and you know hopefully and never the die. Upside is Sean, you get to buy less models to have a full size army. Today, till the it's when, stuff, it's when stuff gets cheaper that you need to complain. Well, sorry, that's a lie. It's the internet, so you need to complain that when everything goes more expensive. 
it's uh, <laughs> underpowered. And yeah. when everything gets cheaper, it's because it's a cash grab. Right. <laughs> and those are the only two stinks. That's it. Those two and that's it. Yeah. And they can exist simultaneously from the same people about the same units. All right. So I do have a question on those other previous games. Were the Titans yeah. on round bases before? Um, how far back do you want to go? No, no, I'm talking like the most recent editions, like the Titanicus. Um, yeah. Like those were yeah, round Because that was the one um, thing that jumped. Hmm. Well, that was the first thing that jumped out. So, like, oh, war, Warlords, Warlords were on round bases. So Warhounds were on round bases. I believe the 120 mil oval was the Warlord Titans. Gotcha. But I noticed that the infantry are on round bases, and I went, oh, that's interesting. So my um, Space Marines for um, Epic Armageddon were on the old strip bases. Uh-huh. My Tau Army for Epic Armageddon would have been on round bases because the rules for basing were that they had to be at least a 10-centimeter length. Oh, so you could so put not 10-centimeter. At, um, like 20 millimeter so you, you could make them round because the diameter uh, you know, it, it never specified a shape just a dimension interesting so yeah so no so, I'm kind of excited by that like I don't know when the uh, the release date, I don't know if they gave a date on the release on this but this looks really really cool yeah well, I thought I had more legs under that under that conversation than apparently I did. Uh, I don't want to make it a super short show, but I could sit down and talk about um, so far my my tenth edition experiences and how I feel. I feel like my poor sisters have gotten. It's not just me. It's basically the entire internet. The internet basically picks five armies that came out on these tenth edition data cards and went, "Wow, these car these armies are extraordinarily underpowered." Um, Everyone keeps picking on the Death Guard as like the lowest one. Death Guard and Admech being the lowest two. Um, but among the top five of the most underpowered armies, my poor, poor, poor sisters of battle are on that list. And boy, oh boy, am I feeling that. Because it, it's a weird thing. Like to me in the fluff, a multi-melter is entirely is designed to melt through a tank. That's kind of the whole point of it. It's the whole reason why it exists. But with the way that they changed toughness now and they didn't up multi-meltas to accommodate that, I don't really have much in the way of anti-tank in my army. So the first two games that I have played have definitely left a little bit of a, a couple of feels bad moments whenever you just unload shot after shot after shot into stuff and it just doesn't die. So what are you shooting? Multi-melters into tanks. like, they, like what, what, what tanks at what range? Even at Rhinos. Well, first of all, my range got shortened up because multi-melters moved down to 18 inches, which really kind of is... I mean, and there are some ways to get them in. Like, I put retributors in an emulator so that they can go through and get their re-rolls to wound and when they're, when they're shooting them. So that seemed to kind of work. So um, I, I just want to make sure we're talking... Because I, I haven't actually looked, so this is all assumptions from memory. But... You're you're shooting, let's say five multi melters at a tank, mm -hmm. right? Uh, what's he? They still get extra wounds for close range, right? Yeah, they get two extra wounds. Oh. Well, de oh, depending on which versions of the multi melter, but yes. So let's pick your anti tank squad. Tell me, tell me how many wounds it should do 
Okay, oh, so is it, it's D6 plus two, then, is it, for a multi-melter now? D6 like plus two for a multi-melter. So here's how... Yeah, it, so you, you should here. do between four and five wounds per shot. Um, and then, what's one of the rules that you have? A miracle dice? What, how do they, can you explain what a miracle dice is? But, and now that would work. I get to pick one, one of those, and I can roll it up to a six, assuming I rolled a six on my miracle dice. I, I agree. So here's... Uh, but it, it's not also something that lets you pick multiple from one unit. There's a rule in there or a character or some combo that lets you spend multiple dice on a single unit, I believe. Ooh, there might be. All right, so just let's, for instance, say you're, so you're, struggling, can... you're, so you're struggling to wound the tank, remembering that six is always wound, and you have a mechanic in your army built in that lets you say that dice is a six without even rolling it. Yeah, that's what the dialogue and, is. Okay, so, so, so ju ju just kind of, kind of clarify here. You've got a mechanic in your army that lets you auto count as one of six, and you're struggling to roll sixes. But that's the game's fault, yeah? I didn't say it was necessary. Okay, ju I'm, ju I'm just making sure, because okay, you're telling me uh, that your army's been nerfed and it's in. Oh no, I can't deal with this one tank. I keep shooting everything on, at it and it just on, doesn't all right, die. All right. It's, it, all right, first of all, I don't think the representation is entirely genuine. As I said, Ed, this was the thing I'm waiting for, because these are the characters I have to what you dislike. Okay, so I don't know that it's. I think that that's a little bit disingenuous, and the reason I'm suggesting that is because it's not. It's I can only replace one die. So out of the eight shots that I'm getting out of four multi melters, I can replace one wound with a six. Yeah, and so so that should be two wounds on average. As Ed's internet just gone off, I'm going to say it has. Yeah, yeah, it's a nine thirty. So yeah, yeah, seven thirty yeah, so, time. So. so we'll 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 talk about something else, Sean. Huh? How, how are you, uh, Ed? What, what rules are you, do you hate from Ninth Edition where I can tell you you're wrong? Sorry. Uh, it, it wouldn't be a show. Like we we yep, were prepared. It, we knew. Yeah, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be a show if Ed didn't forget to turn the internet thing off and put it back to where it's supposed to. So, to get back to the point that I was saying, so I get to replace one hit. Yeah. Or Let's one assume wound. I'm incorrect and there isn't a way to do... Um, more than one per squad, which I'm pretty sure is. I just don't. I, like I said, I haven't read it, so yeah, I might I'm be wrong. To, I'm gonna have to look that up because if it, yeah. let's base this off off of that one. In a previous edition, let's just take a, an eight a four a four girl squad is firing into a rhino. Um, previously, they were strength nine, firing into toughness seven, so they were wounding on threes. Now I am wounding a, a rhino on fours. Which is a sixteen percent. Uh, oh, sorry. I was even. I was assuming you needed sixes. Okay, so but let's run that math then. So you've got eight shots hitting eight on threes, hitting threes, wounding okay. on fours. So eight hitting on threes should be five mm -hmm. of those. Okay. And then, but but you let's assume you can spend one miracle dice sure, to make so. it. So so it's six hits. And then we're on four, so that's three. But you can spend one miracle dice, so that's four. So that's a minimum of if you roll ones on your damage roll, that's a minimum of twelve wounds. How many wounds does a rhino have? Yeah. All right. All right. Maybe I'm just bad at the game. I'm not Maybe. gonna. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not even saying you're bad at the game. Ed. I'm trying well, to point out that it's not even two weeks into the game being out. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Maybe I, and I there's 100%, solutions 100%, to the problems that you haven't found yet. A hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with you. And I, I legitimately, I, I honestly had just put this in our group text uh, for the 
the local game group, one of the things I was watching a battle report and I was watching someone else play sisters and they were rolling, um, their bolters had abilities that I didn't know that mine had. And it's one of those things is like, so I have that infection of, I know how it was in last edition and in previous editions of the game. So my brain just automatically never read the special rules assigned to those like heavy bolters, for example, have sustained hits, which means every time you roll a six, you get an additional hit. I've played two games and, and rolled multiple heavy bolters and never played them that way. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm time. saying. Like you're still trying to play the way you used to, because you used to win playing that way without actually trying to play a new edition yet. Correct. So you you're, need you're to play the, the new edition and then tell me what the new edition plays like. Yeah, you're Stop not trying wrong. to play a knife. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So, so is that is that a pro so you guys have much more experience in this than I do. Does that become a problem when an edition changes and you're locked into the old edition trying to play the new edition? Oh and god, have, yes. And and oh. have opinions, always constantly having opinions about the old. A hundred percent. Every once in a while, every once in a while, I will have a rule from fifth edition that pops into my head and I will say, oh, no, 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 this happens like this. And then someone will point it out to me and go, oh, God, you're right. That's right. That changed. And that was one of the topics I genuinely wanted to get into whenever it came down to switching editions from A to B to the new edition kind of thing is that... Um, um, institutional knowledge that's already in your head that like because at a certain point in time like I stop looking at my cards I just know this hits on threes wounds on fives does X amount of damage I don't even need to look at my stuff anymore as far as the movements concerned what special rules they have what stratagems I could have I had it down to a science I had it like I was barely ever looking at my sheets anymore um, because I didn't need them because I'd memorized it and what ends up happening is when you move over to that new edition just like the problems that I'm explaining here is that the rules have changed e on even the slightest things like this weapon now has this special ability. Like I remember the first time, um, one of the, the first things I always do with a new edition, I always go through and like do a pass through of the read through of the rules at least three times so that they kind of stick and they're stuck into my head and I can kind of reiterate those. But when I was reading my sister's about um, data cards, I skimmed through those going, yep. Okay. I understand this. I understand. I understand this. And didn't I, I got to the Dominion squad inside um, those data cards and was like, I don't understand why these are important. Like, why are these impressive? Like, why would I, like they just look like another Sisters of Battle squad and I blow past them. And then in this game that I was watching online, someone had a squad of Dominions. I'm like, oh, all of their bolters have assaults. Wait, what? How did I miss that? Because I I just completely glanced past it and didn't realize assault weapons, for those who do not know, means that I'm allowed to move and shoot and still fire those weapons. If you don't have an assault weapon and you've moved, you can't do that. And I went, all of their bolters have assault or assault weapons, every single one of them. So I'm like, oh, these guys, these girls just went from meh to great because I could load them up with storm bolters that are now strength five. And I'm going to I'm going to point out they didn't go from meh to great. They, they were always were. great. You just didn't read the card. Right. My evaluation changed because I Correct. didn't read the card and didn't. That's why I bought the other Rhino, because I've got a bunch of girls up there to become Dominions and they're going to go charging in in a Rhino. Then they're going to be able to storm. Uh, and for a change, that wasn't me trying to be mean. It's a very um, specific difference. They didn't no. change. If they you did don't not... read what your stuff does. 
you're you are correct but that's one of the like i said that's one of the topics i wanted to touch on is the fact that so now i have not only ninth edition knowledge stuck in my head but year because the sisters i only ever played them in ninth so like i only have ninth edition to kind of go based off of but like even some of my other armies rules that don't exist anymore or rules that have changed drastically from what i used to know to what they are now like every once in a while that just pops up in like oh yeah what was the other one it was the um oh we had some interaction with terrain on tuesday night and i said it worked one way and then someone corrected me and went oh yeah that's right they did change that so like every once in a while those old rules just kind of like kick out of your brain like those synapses all together in your brain just kind of fire them off and go yep this is how the way you remember doing it well i remember doing that three editions ago and now it's different. And, and that's probably the problem. Like, so I have that problem at work because we have regulations that change, you know, um, laws that change, which then come down and change regulations and how I work. And a lot of things that I battle at work, not really, it is with myself too, but then I go and correct myself quickly is when things change and People don't read and understand the changes. You know, they're always working on bad information at that point. Because, you know, when when the rules change, there's nothing I can, you know, you can't really help other people when the rules change and they're not up for it and stuff. So, so I get that. I, I get where, you know, having, you know, multiple editions because you've played the game so long with without being able to differentiate right away without like investing a lot of time to learn all the new rules you know to me like a game that has more than six pages of rules is a complicated game you know that that's how i look at it you know <laughs> you know it's yeah. a, it's a, it's no longer beer and pretzels you know it has a lot of rules that you have to learn and so with that you have to kind of change your in my opinion you have to change the mode of thinking and that's where first edition to second edition X-Wing with me, and that's what I can speak of the most, is I just, I couldn't grasp everything anymore like I could in first edition because, now, first edition had a lot of crap in it, you know, keyword crap and all that, but ultimately, you know, and, and there was, and I'm sure Chris will come back at me on this, but there were enough rule changes for me from first to second that made me just not be able to totally comprehend second like I did first. Yeah, I can feel that. You know, because... I will say, I think a large portion of it is the area you live in when the rule change happens, because, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Sean, but I believe um, like 2.5 wasn't greatly received in, in Omaha in general. I don't um, know, because I'm not so, connected like, to um, I suppose it doesn't even matter how it was received. You weren't really, you weren't out playing with your friend group every week like you were in first oh, edition. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You, you no, know what I mean? I, like, so here's what I think with that, Chris, was that when 2.5 came out, they were still playing 2.0. When 2.0 came out, they were still trying to play 1.0 at the beginning of it. When 2.5 came out, they were still trying to play 2.0. You know, it took them a while to get to the adjustment of the rules. And then because everybody wanted to play with all the toys still, you know, it wasn't going into that concept of tournament play where you have limited, you know, the ships are limited and things like hmm. that. that yeah, I just think that's where they like, had the hardest time. Not 
um, not having your your immediate friend group playing the, the current version of a game, or like if you're in one of a group kind of groups that cycles through different games semi regularly, an edition can take a real long time to actually sink in and bed in, just because there's only so many hours in a day and you're playing something different. Right. Like, oh, the 40k is going to change um, in June, so let's start playing bolt action for a little bit. Learn bolt action, then we can play that for a while, and then by the time 40k is settled down, we can come back and start playing that. You know, that that's a realistic thing that happened. I know people who started playing bolt action, or, you know, pick any game you like, just, you know, let, let the, uh, the new edition shake out for a little bit. Right. Like, get all the bugs out, or whatever you want to call it, and then come back to it. And I think that's a normal way of of people handling an edition change as well. Yeah, I, I think so. But I, here's my little bit of a take on that is, you know, it's the fear that they won't come back. <laughs> yeah. in, small, in small communities, when... When people do that, it, it becomes a fear of, you know, oh, crap. You know, they're still here on Tuesday night, but now they're playing that game. Are they going to come back, you know, to this game? And and that's kind of that's kind of why I left organized play, like organizing and everything else was because, A, I'd hit everything. You know, all of my goals were achieved. I had done everything I ever wanted to do as far as a TO and X-Wing. We had an incredible group. We had great showings at Worlds and, you know, tournaments, you know, things like that. We had, we, we hit, because my expectation of our group wasn't a, wasn't the expectation of, you know, calm, fun community play. It was building the group so that we can make the best players possible to compete at Worlds. Because Worlds was an event, you know. The, the regionals were an event, things like that. So that's kind of how I viewed it. But... I always feared when a new game came out that, and people left to go play that game, were they going to come back to X-Wing? And that's, that's where I, you know, fell into that, you know, and I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't there for the addition change per se. I knew, you know, I was still talking to him and stuff, but I, I do think, you know, that's a good way to do it. That's actually a great approach for, for game groups, you know, new additions going to come out. Why not? You know, why not go play something else for a while? That's actually a great, a healthy way of doing it, I think. So, so saying to add, I, I don't have the drama takes anymore, sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. I wasn't, I guess I wasn't necessarily expecting a quote-unquote drama take. I was just kind of like, in more line the lines of like advice for people whenever they are switching over from one edition to the next and what what you do, like how often do you play? Like for me, it's interesting that like I, I totally get that idea of it. Of the, you know, maybe go off and play something else for a little bit and then kind of come back to it. Um, for me, the only way that I like, because I'm only up the game store once, a, you know, once a week, I usually only get one or maybe two games in every week. And then that's kind of about it. For me, it's the reps. I got to get the repetition. I like that. That's how I train my brain to learn all of the things that have changed. It's just the repetition just by doing it over and over and over and over again. So for me, if I'm one, if I, and that's when I'll know, that's when I'll really know. Like admittedly, I'm, I'm maybe whining little, uh, a little bit about how underpowered I feel that my poor sisters are currently um overall i'm not really gonna be able to formulate an opinion on the game until such time as like probably six eight months from now 
on whether or not because like, there's so much to the game that they change that I like for the better that I feel is a better addition to the game. It makes things better for the games. It made things a lot easier. Um, so overall, just just how they set up the the data cards, just having how your stat block is different, how they removed the, here's a deck of 75 stratagems and oops, you forgot that because it's a card you've never used before. You didn't even realize you could have, oh, it's right there on the card now. Like, I like a lot of what they did with 10th edition. So it's just unfortunately painted in the guise of, oh, by the way, uh, the internet basically agrees that I have a collectively weak army. Not that that necessarily matters because I'm playing against either A, a bunch of new players who are just learning the game, or B, people I've played my entire life, and I know how to play against them. And even if I'm playing the worst army in the game, I could probably find a way to win. Like, I'm scheduled to play Chad on Tuesday. I'll tell you how that goes. Because um, I, I love Chad dearly, but Chad has had the same game plan since 4th edition 40k. Run forward and kill. So the, you, since you know that's what he's going to do, you can kind of play into that kind of thing. So, yeah, I probably won't come down with a formulated plan and until like six, eight months from now. And Chris is right. Over the next six, eight months, there's going to be changes to the game. Anything that they feel is broken was not what they intended. They will fix. Games Workshop is in a good spot. I gave them a whole bunch of credit for ninth edition. In the, and I felt that it was one of the best editions of the game there towards the end that I'd ever played. But as I go back and remember then 2020, whenever that game released, was it the best edition I'd ever played when I started? Probably not. It took time. It took a good year and a half before it really got into its heyday and before it really started feeling like a good, solid game. And I feel like we're going to get there again. No, you just have to ban Wraith Knights, um, ban towering units. You run events where you Elder can only spend one of the Shadow of... Uh, one of the warp like, no, passing point things. Yeah, the Fate just, guys. Just instantly... Instantly solve all potential problems by making more potential problems for your event pack. It's easy. Yeah, sure. I've been on the internet. That's the easy way to fix it. Clearly you have. I was going to say, all we got to do is go back to the, you know, knights getting fired at the way that they used to be and then remove and put indirect back the way that it was in ninth edition. And that solves two thirds of the problems of the game right now, <laughs> according to the internet. Sorry, potential problems, Ed. Potential, potential problems. problems. Potential I'm problems. a big, I'm a big fan of describing things as potential problems and then implementing untested fixes to potential <laughs> problems. Yep. I Welcome agree. to the internet, folks. Let's I wait agree. and see if it's an appointment, if it's a problem. But no, we can't wait. No, definitely has to be a problem. I feel like you just don't play that army. Well, and the funny part is, is like, I don't think anyone plays Elder in the store, so they're not a problem. There's no one really playing IG or any one of the ones that's really going to abuse the indirect fire. And I we do have a Knights player, but I don't see him that often. So the three major problems that everyone's complaining about aren't really a problem for our local meta at the moment. So and it's not like we're, it's not like any of the people we're playing are playing at a super highly competitive level. To go back to what we were talking about whenever I was trying not to shit on crusade players half the folks that we play there play crusades that's the only reason why they're there to play they're not playing match play and they have never played match play they prefer playing the the fluffy more cinematic uh crusade play so ultimately again is it a gigantic problem for me no it really isn't am i st did i still spend the last 
two weeks painting up sisters models and I'm really looking forward to getting started on my next ones and I'm really looking forward to coming to the table with more fully painted sisters. Am I still enjoying putting those girls on the table and rolling dice with them? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I'm still just bitter over Logan bringing freaking Gasgul and a squad of mega knobs to a thousand point game and me going, wow, I don't really have much of anything that's going to deal with that. I guess I lose. Yeah. You should listen to uh, the new episode of Heresy Cast. Ooh. I talk about to. the edition change. I will 100% have to pull that up. I'll listen to that on the way into work tomorrow. Yeah, give, giving people advice on how to uh, approach a new edition of 40k and list building. Wow, that sounds, like a, that sounds like a great topic. We should have totally talked about that. Look, look, man, it's not my fault I'd already spoken about it before you uh, pitched it. Yep, I didn't, well, you no. could have told me that. I'd have switched the topics. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, it was very focused on 40k with specific things of like, um, did you know that you can run an avatar and two Wraith Knights as a list? Like, yeah, you can go out and buy them and build it, but by the time you get there, it'll probably have been FAQ'd. Right. Right, a hundred percent. Like all, the, like for example, I was just on game. Whenever he mentioned stuff on Games Workshop, I was on their website and I recognized that all the Exorcists are sold out. And the funny part is, is in the entirety of Ninth Edition, everyone hated that tank. I've got mine. I could see it right there. In fact, I could reach over and touch it if I wanted to. Um, but I got it not because it was a great tank, because it's beautiful. It's a gorgeous model, and I'm really looking forward to painting it. And then poof, all of a sudden, because they fire indirect, all of a sudden they're completely sold out on Games Workshop's website. And I keep thinking to myself, you're right. By the time they get that thing built, painted, and put on the table, that rule's going to change, and then I'll be able to buy cheap exorcists on the internet. <laughs> Yay. Because eventually they'll be good again. They're good right One now. Day. They really are good right now. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There is kind of a feels... It kind of feels like... Uh, point-and-click cheating mode to just have an exorcist sitting on an objective in the back that nobody can see and nobody's ever going to get to and just keep just indirect firing all over the board. It's completely stupid. But I have so one, I, one. I had three D-cannon support platforms. Um, so I went and returned one of them to the store because I'm like, oh, I'm not taking three now. I would have taken three in ninth edition, but I'm not taking three now. Yeah, you're, well, at least not right now. <laughs> Oh no, because they're supposed to be like really good, so I can't can't take them. They're really good. Right, right. That's kind of my point. Is you're going to roll up on the table with those, and someone's going to go, "Oh, this game's going to suck." <laughs> uh, but they they did um, nerf my boarding patrol though. You can only have one wraith unit in your boarding patrol now. Aww. So my cheeky double wraith guard boarding patrol got taken away. That's something I else think... I want to try. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, I think when they did the original Boarding Patrol rules, they forgot that Wraith Blades and Wraith Guard were separate unit entries, because you shouldn't have been able to take two anyway if they were just weapon options on the unit entry. Right. But because they're actually separate data cards, you could. But they've fixed it now. Interesting. That's something else I want to try, because one of the new players, uh, like literally brand new, as in he bought, his, um, he bought Black Templar's um, Combat Patrol, uh, at some point in time, whenever he's done getting it built, I want to see if everyone wants to bring their combat patrols. Because um, we all have them. We all have enough <clears throat> to field those combat patrols, and those are very I, different I rules. I promise you, you don't have a Necron combat patrol. Yes, I do. 
I because uh, I know it's in that new Necron uh, Combat Patrol, and I 100% have the Doomstalker. Doomstalker. I have two of them. Even though they sucked in Ninth Edition the entirety, I thought they were badass models, and I bought two of them because they were cool. That, that's the only thing that makes me a little bit sad is that they've released Combat Patrol as a game mode, but haven't actually released all of the Combat Patrols yet. Yeah. Like, what's the Knight's Wait, Combat like, Patrol? Well, it's just a knight, isn't it? Yeah, it's just one. Just what? one. That's it. Good luck. But you're right. Not every army has a, a combat patrol available to them. Um, obviously, the space marines. Oh, uh, if you go out and buy a Necron combat patrol, it's on the shelf in your local store right now. You can't use it because it's the wrong one. Yeah. Well, I think about those poor space marine players and Tyranid players. Like technically, the only way that they can get their combat patrols is in the Leviathan box set right now, because the contents of those two combat patrols are in that box. And if you didn't get one and they're sold out, which they are in some most places, some places. Um, Century Box still has like 30 left. Really? Yeah. yeah, we got, I think we got like 20 and they're all gone. They're all uh, so gone. we sold, I want to say 64 on the Saturday and we still have over 30 left. Yeah, you're a much higher volume store than we are. I can assure you of that. We got a hundred and twenty. Telling you, I'm retiring to I'm retiring to Calgary. I'll put up with the snow just to have a good local game store. It's totally worth it to me. The, the heat wave at the moment. Oh, damn hot. Well, that yeah, and make, all the damn, all sure the damn you, fires sure you, bring, you guys have. Make sure you bring AC with you, Ed. Oh, I know. I'll buy them here. Uh, uh, Zach Matthews messaged me the other day. It's like, can you guys sort a fire out, fire thing out? I don't know what you're talking about. So why is it so small key in America? I said, I don't know, man. Did you stop driving cars in 2000, in like 1988? Because that's when you need to stop driving cars. Yes. But yeah, no, I've never gotten warnings on my phone about poor air quality before until this year. Like it's, it's been rough. I'm not going to lie. Um, the last couple of days have been good. We've had a lot of rain here, so it's not been so bad. But like Thursday, I couldn't see the sky. I couldn't see blue skies. All I saw, and like legitimately, you're driving down the road, you can see just this haze that you're driving through the whole time through. I thought you liked Blade Runner. I did like Blade Runner. It's a great movie. It doesn't mean I want to live in that universe. Oh, unlucky. Did you stop driving cars in 1988? I guess not. Technically, neither did you either. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not complaining about it. I'm happy. Well, yeah, because you know, everything's you know coming where I south. What do you care? Where, you know where there isn't smoke? In my basement. Yeah, that's true. In my happy place. In my happy place, there is no... there is no. You are correct. I agree. All right. I'll, I'll just go to the old South Park Blame Canada song, and then we can... <laughs> hopefully we don't get DMCA'd on that, and then we'll just go move on. So, all right, that's it. That's all I've got for the night. And I, do, I do have my hard stop at 11, which looks like I'm actually going to hit. So I will say good evening to all of you. Uh, Sean, always good talking to you, my friend. Always good to be here. And then, Chris, of course, you've got some end-of-show stuff you would like to clean up on? Are you still not ready to do it yet? I gave you homework and everything. You did give you me know, homework. And then I, I had a, you last time. And then, I had a, and then I had a month off and I forgot about it until just now. <laughs> yeah. So thank you to all the patrons. If you wanted to support uh, Dice 8, you can do so on the Dice 8 Patreon, which is just dice8patreon.com. Uh, you can find all of that information just by going to a website, which is dice8.com. And you can contact us on the Discord. It's also linked at dice8.com.
basically it's a home of everything you want to know for lack of focus. Uh, it's all linked in the show notes. But it's been relatively active on the Discord this, uh, this last week. Lots of discussion on uh, different X-Wing lists. There's been people posting up the painting. We had someone posting up a bunch of the epic pack and shot that they painted today. And um, I'm going to be posting up some pictures of my finished Wraith, um, my Wraith Blades and Wraith Guard. I just need to take them upstairs and do a dull coat on them. And hopefully Ooh. I'll have the... Um, I posted my list in the Legion talk on a Discord. Yeah, I'm working on my straw troopers at the moment. Yeah, well, the podcast for Legion is called Deploy a Garrison, so I really should play a Krennic list with some Death Troopers and Shore Troopers, and then I can deploy a Garrison. Because Rogue One quotes are the best quotes. Absolutely. Tell you what, I'll I'll make a as soon as I get the uh the full three scroll uh, uh three um battle system squads fully painted, I will paste a we post a picture in the painted section of everything that I have done painted so far for my sisters in there because I've been meaning I never think to do it. I never think to put anything in there and that's kind of my fault. I should I should hundred percent do that. So there. I once mean, I, I have people those are th- actually interested at you know I, I mean? do know. I know. I've and someone else had said the same thing to me. Like we keep hearing about this, and you didn't actually write it, put it. So I will 100% do that. When I am done, I will line them all up on the table, and I will get a good photo of everything painted all together that I have so far. So there, I will have that vow. You can post your in-game pictures as well. You know. Oh Take yeah. Take pictures of the table, and then just post pictures. I'm playing this game today. I do. This is this is the army. How the game went. You can have thoughtful discussion about all of your games maybe someone out there knows how to play sisters better than i do well, you never know maybe. maybe 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 all right well that's gonna do it for this one do appreciate it and, and we will see you again in two weeks for the next episode. whose show is it next week because i don't know it, does last Sean. week count it'll be mine it'll be yours yep all right it, it's me then you then sean perfect we'll get back on schedule then All right, until then, guys, as always, fly casual. Thanks for listening to a Lack of Focus podcast brought to you by Dice Productions.